재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Welcome back to Koreascape. A whole lot of very interesting people pass through Seoul and we make it our job to catch up with them and bring them to you as often as we can. These two ladies that are with me in the studio now have been getting a bit of press lately as the world's first African-American female K-pop group. Now, mind you, we're not sure that's what they call themselves, but the media seems to like calling them that. They are Coco Avenue. That's the name of the duo. They hail from the United States, and they are here to talk to us now about their interest in Korean music and why they're in Seoul in the first place. Their names individually are Jenny Lyric and Jenna Rose. So Jenny and Jenna, don't be confused. Ladies, welcome. Hi. Thank you. (laughs) Great to see you. Are you the world's first... African-American female K-pop duo? I think we are the world's first African-American K-pop or Korean singers, Uh Um, like singing in Korean. That may be the first thing we do, but we don't want to label ourselves as a K-pop group. Um, because we don't necessarily sing that style. Uh-huh. Um, we cover that we style, cover that but style we don't really see ourselves as K-pop. Yeah. Okay. So so w- w- why decide to do that? Is this sort of like a, a publicity hook, or is it something that, that uh, you genuinely kind of sincerely like K-pop and therefore want to weave it into your act? How does that work? It's We sincerely like K-pop. We started off as, like, really huge K-pop fans, mm-hmm. and then we realized we wanted to see our faces uh, doing this too because we both come from musical backgrounds so we were like let's sing in Korean like yeah. we like this let's do it it was always something it was always an interest of us to learn other languages to uh-huh. be to be fluent in other languages to be more than just you know American singers um, and so with Korean that was something that we naturally came to love and it was easy for us to just be like okay let's try this route we love it let's do it when you love something you naturally want to be a part of it and that's what it is with us coco avenue i mean is there anything to that name coco i would assume is an allusion to darker skin Mm -hmm. uh anything more to it than that basically um coco avenue is in in avenue another um Another Another analogy, an analogy Mm. for uh, Avenue was like route. Mm -hmm. So like we're doing this in our route, our way, a Coco Avenue. Um, And that's the way our name kind of came about. We're not trying to do it in any other way. We don't want to emulate another culture. We want to do this in our way, in the Coco Avenue way. So that's how our name came about. What kind of musical background, Jenny, uh, did you guys come from before you evolved into this Korean language direction? Well, me, I was always writing songs since I was about five. I've always been performing. I've always been doing um, competitions and everything. And then I found Jenna through YouTube, and then that's how we Yeah, we lived in completely separate states. What was your vector of connection when you found each other on YouTube? Because millions of people are out there. Well, did you, you were both posting us. your own videos? Yeah, Is that yeah. It? people kept confusing us. They oh, really? kept thinking we were the same person. So she would get comments like, oh, I love you, Jenna Rose. And she'd be like, I'm not. Uh, I'm Jenny Jenna. <laughs> yeah. um, and so she finally was like, I'm just going to reach out to this chick. And so she she reached out to me through YouTube from St. Louis. I was in Florida at the time. Okay. And we met up that way and mm. decided to move to L.A. together to pursue this. You got the similar names, but you also have this kind of sister in the family sense vibe. You look <laughs> vaguely alike and uh, you've got sort of this simpatico nature with each other so when you started to evolve towards uh, korean what was the pull was it uh the fashion of k-pop the moves and the choreography or was it the sound of the language what can you achieve by singing in korean 
what can we achieve? Yeah. Um, okay, so when we first started, it was very shallow, the reason why we were, like, into K-pop. We liked the look of it. We liked uh-huh. the sound of it. Um, we liked the the way they w- they wore their clothes, the dress, uh, the dancing. The colors. Like the colors. Things were really shallow initially. Um, the reason that we're doing it now is a lot different. Um, the more we started to watch K-pop, the more we became we became really uncomfortable with our culture's portrayal in a lot of K-pop music. Um, they're adopting certain things without understanding where it comes from. And so our entry into K-pop became less about being a part of the glitz and glamour of K-pop and more about the education of where you're getting the stuff that you think is popular from. Okay. So. This is a real good topic. Uh, this whole concept of cultural appropriation is what you're talking about. Yes. Uh, K-pop has taken so many themes, memes, feelings from uh, African-American music, especially hip-hop, and appropriated them. And also, at times, some of the artists have appropriated some of the thuggish stuff. Mm -hmm. You can see guns and things like that, that unthinkable things in Korean culture, and yet they're appropriating them into their their music. So from the start, it was a little bit of a, do I say like an activist or an academic desire to kind of, hey, let's put some truth-talking into this space. There's nothing wrong with sharing culture. I think sharing culture is very important in order to understand each other. Um, I think where we find a problem is is when you don't understand the culture that you're sharing. From. And it's becoming a stereotype. Mm-hmm. We just want to be want our culture portrayed in the right way. So that's that's what we want to do. Yeah. And there's so many fans that are African-American, that are Spanish, that are Native American, that see parts of their culture being displayed in K-pop music videos or in K-pop words. You have Arabic fans that were super upset about the CL, CL song. Um, which one was it? Do you remember? Well, there was a, a specific song that had like Arabic words from the Quran and you know they were really upset uh-huh. with that and so if there's not someone there to start that sort of conversation it's easy to make those sorts of mistakes and so we see ourselves as being sort of a bridge especially to people from our culture um, being a bridge from our culture our music to this music that is so interesting you because you said that the the things that pulled you to K-pop in the first place was the superficial, mm-hmm. the image, the glitz, the yes. this and that. You can easily put yourself in the shoes of these K-pop artists and producers who say, oh, that Arabic scrawl on the wall looks kind of cool. Let's work that into the video mm-hmm. or let's do this, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's an image-driven decision that doesn't really have anything malicious, right. uh, but it can have hurtful effects, can yes. it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that kind of what's motivating this in addition to getting into the fashion space and getting into the music space? You're trying to be almost conversation starters. Yes. yes. We're not We're not naive enough to think in any way that we can change this sort of thing, but it is something that we would like to be able to have conversations about when it comes to this industry. And we have had conversations, very positive conversations about it, and so we want to continue in that route in our career with it's this It's just really important to us to make people aware Mm -hmm. that things are an issue. Yeah. So if we can just do that much, then I feel like we've accomplished something. Oh, boy, do I know a couple of people to introduce you to while you're in town. (laughs) Let's talk about that after this. But uh, we're going to cue up a little bit of your music to hear what you're all about. This song is going to be called You Know. Just tell us before we play it what's going on. Um, Well, this is a cover um, of a Jay Park song. Um, this was kind of like the change in our image, mm-hmm. um, like because we were known for doing kind of like cutesy stuff, like people would be like, oh, that's cute. But this kind of like changed everything for us and kind of like was the song that kind of made us get a lot of press mm-hmm. right after. OK, you know, 
a cover of Jay Park by Coco Avenue. tell you uh i think that song has serious killing potential over here <laughs> that sounded fantastic thank you and um i'm i'm a kind of a sucker for old school a smooth uh it kind of reminded me of groove theory a little bit back in back in the day like <laughs> 90s or so this very sweet voice with kind of hip-hop uh undertones um i'm thinking there's just so much potential for this sound it's uh a mirror reverse image of what K-pop does all the time. Mm. They're always throwing in English phrases to sound cool. And here you guys are, the native English speakers, throwing in, or using mostly, Mm -hmm. Korean Mm -hmm. to sound cool. I think that's going to win over a ton of people over here. Thank you. We hope so. I mean, when you talk about uh, K-pop and African-American culture, or especially hip-hop space, uh, there's one really incredible contrast. It's that K-pop is like this very sexy medium and yet incredibly innocent. Nesung, you know that word? Yeah. Very innocent word, you know, shy but yet super sexy, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, Beyonce and uh, African-American music is like, boom, this In is my sexuality. Yeah. Where do you guys uh, apply yourself on that spectrum? Okay, I think we have to find a happy medium when it comes to that because we understand that Korean culture is very different than American culture. Um, As far as us, we're very proud of where we come from and who we are as people. Um, As far as we're not over-sexually artists or over-sexual artists. We're we're mostly about having a message and portraying that message in the best way possible. Um, If anything, we're we're kind of a a good happy medium between because we can be sexy if we want to be. Yeah, but Um, it's not like what we do it's all not the time. What we do all it's the time. like, okay. oh, let's do this one sexy thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. Well, I'm we just are. wondering, having heard that, I'm, no, I'm wondering how a, say, a live performance would shake out. Mm-hmm. How would you approach it? Are you going to go for over the top choreography? Are you going to go for uh, sexy outfits, things like that? Mm-hmm. Or where are you going to strike that visual balance? I think we would let our talent be the sexy. Like, we would let our sound be what's sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, we may, like, move in certain ways, but. We would never be overtly sexy with a song like this. The song itself is already pretty um, suggestive. Yes. So it's what we would, are the, the words and the talent would speak for itself. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't try to be over the top with it. Have you guys gotten any reactions on uh, social media or whatever from Koreans themselves? Uh, yes, we've actually gotten a lot of like good reactions from them. Um, Wanting us to come here and perform. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, wanting to do songs together. Mm -hmm. Because on the surface of it, you guys are the the dream of uh, the cultural planners and the people behind the whole Hallyu movement over here. You're Mm -hmm. like, ooh, it was the the fashion and the great grooves of K-pop that attracted you, and then you became interested in the language and the culture. It's like, that's That's the whole plan. That's their dream. That's Mm -hmm. their ideal for taking over the world, right? Right. Um, So I can imagine them embracing you. I can also imagine people koreans slightly more traditional koreans being a bit territorial Mm -hmm. it's like what are you what are you doing uh infiltrating our music you know we have a bit of both we really don't get very many negative things from uh koreans we mostly get a lot of positive but when we do get a negative it does come from that like you're not really k-pop 
this is our thing. Um, you're appropriating our culture. Like, we'll get that sometimes. But I think what but the difference often. is... Not the often. Yeah, most of the time we get that from international You got fans. a good response for that, I bet. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, you're appropriating our K-pop. Yeah, and that's just not... It's not a thing. Um, if, if anything we try our very hardest to respect the culture as much as possible because all we're doing is singing in another language. Like, we're still ourselves. We don't try to be more Asian. We're not trying to do anything like that. Literally, we're just singing in another language. And so we try to keep it at that base um, in order to stay respectful to the culture. Does it feel different when you sing in Korean? Does it uh, open any floodgates of emotion, love, or whatever? Or rhythmically, is it easier? Is Is there anything that you feel when you sing in Korean? There's a flow. There's like a, especially when rapping, when you're rapping, the intensity at times is a lot different than it is when it's in English. In English, I'm connecting to the meaning in the words. Sometimes I don't necessarily understand um, what I'm rapping because I'm, when I'm doing covers, but the intensity and the staccato, the rhythm, sometimes carries whatever I'm not understanding. It carries that emotion itself. So like there's that difference whenever I'm performing in, in Korean. For me, whenever I'm singing, um, I kind of like feel more emotions like sadness depending on like the mood of the song um, just like Jenna said like I I don't always understand everything but I can understand like little meanings of the song and it kind of like makes me feel really emotional almost because you don't understand you have to connect more with your emotion in order mm-hmm. to do it you can't rely on the words to portray the emotion for you yeah. so you have to connect more when you're not under- necessarily understanding the entire that makes perfect the sense the foreignness of the language displaces you a little bit and mm-hmm. so you get to look at it harder yeah mm-hmm. what do you got planned in seoul you're here for a little while what what kind of stuff are you going to do so we've had some really good meetings with uh some artists that are out here some people who are striving to do the same things we do some people who are already doing you know rapping and and, and um, performing out here so they give us advice they um it's good to get to network get connections so we've been doing a lot of meeting mm-hmm. people um you have so we've been doing a lot of exploring uh we've went to latte world <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which was very fun. Okay. It was different. Mm-hmm. Get you a little amusement park action yeah. there. You know. uh, is this the start of some shuttle diplomacy here now between Cocoa Avenue and USA or uh, South Korea? You going to be coming back? I hope so. Yeah, yeah. hopefully we, we soon. We have plans. We've we've met with some people who could make that happen. Yeah. So um, we're definitely trying to do the back and forth. You know, yeah. it's a lot. We Back at home, um, we can't just focus on music because yeah. we live in L.A. and the cost of living in L.A. is crazy. Yeah, so no we have day jobs, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. So we have to do those full-time jobs, then concentrate on Cocoa Avenue, and then getting off of work to come here is just... It is it's a, very difficult. It is stay a hungry, stay work. foolish. Yeah. That was uh, what Steve Jobs said, right? Yes. But I could picture it as a no-brainer for some music producer or some booking agent out there to say, oh, come on, let's book these young ladies mm-hmm. for our club in, you name it, Hongdae or whatever <laughs> district uh, there is. We're going to wrap up the interview, and as we end the show, we're going to hear one last song. It is uh, Mamamoo featuring Pumki. Uh, this is a song that you guys have kind of a relationship to as well, right? We really, we opened for Mamamoo back in um, in Los Angeles. They came for the... Uh, LA Korean cr- Festival. Yeah. No way. Yeah, so we got to open for them. Um, we enjoyed their performance so much. I had the same mic as Hwasa. 
I'm very, very, you know, proud of that. Um, <laughs> it also went out like did, Yeah, both our mics both went out. It was, uh, but um, this is one of our favorite Mama Moo songs. It's really smooth. It was one of their first Why songs. are you telling somebody to not be happy? I mean, it's mostly just about, like, a breakup, and you're like, I don't want you to be happy because, you know, you left me, mm-hmm. so don't be happy yet. I hear you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Jenny Lyric and Jenna Rose are Coco Avenue. They are from various musical backgrounds, but they're in the K-pop scene now. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank Thank you you for for having having us. All right. And Koreascape is produced by Christina Saul with associate production from Jamie Lee and Nikki Kim. GP1 is our writer. I'm Kurt Asian. Tune in again tomorrow. We'll have our special Saturday edition of Koreascape. For now, here's that song, Hengbok Kajima from... Mamamoo featuring Pomki. I never had a chance to say that I miss you. 